All right. Holler. <laughs> only only one hour behind. <laughs> I, I apologize. The bus system is difficult. Uh-huh. You better bring your A-grain. Oh, uh, you have no Chris. idea. I'm going to kill it. Bring your A-grain, Christopher. Bring my your A-grain. My grain. Your A-grain. Yes. And my grain is killer. It's like my flow, my sick flow. Does you mean your flow? Your frame? What? This is already off to a great start. Yeah, I know. Oh, God. Hello and welcome to What's the Deal? The Seinfeld Review Show that airs when it feels like it. Each week we dissect every episode of Seinfeld in chronological order. With me today, as always, is Christopher Young. Yo! And Patrick Armstrong. Hello. I'm Cameron Wong, and this is episode 47, and today we'll be looking at season 4, episode 8, The Cheever Letters. And you guys can't understand the love I have. You never could, you never will. I think I do. I've known you for a long time. Oh, alright then, well that all works. It's pretty good love. Can you believe that we're almost at 50 episodes? I can believe it, mostly because we're awesome. We are pretty good, but I mean, I don't think in anyone's mind this was going to last this long. No, no one's. Well, maybe Mike Seeps. Mikey Seeps, yeah, he believed in us from the beginning. Maybe, maybe John Grady. He also believed in us. What do you say? Usually, past tense? when I told people, <laughs> it's still present I... tense. John Grady believes in us. Believe that. When I, I told do. people that we were going to do a podcast about, or we're doing a podcast about Seinfeld, they always ask me, "Do you know how many episodes there are of Seinfeld?" You know, like, I, I didn't know, like, there were maybe only 50 or something. Like, you thought it was, like, a limited, like, UK series, 18 episodes, and you're done? Yeah, yeah. How many they episodes are there? I've not been out. I, I tell people this all the time. I did not, I don't know. Like, 200 episodes. or something like no, that? No, there's like, not 200. God. There's, like, 120-something episodes. <sighs> Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, en- you're enjoying doing the show, eh, Chris? Loving it. Loving That's it why we do it so frequently. Yeah. Yeah, I I think actually if our our true fondness for the show there's was, 180 uh, episodes. No, there's not. Are you kidding? Yeah, there is. Yeah, list of Seinfeld episodes on Wikipedia. We're never gonna be done. That's all right. You know what? It keeps us together. It's a, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Patrick moved away from you. So did you. Okay, but I did it before the show. Wait, guys, we're keeping together through the internet. <sighs> And through produced saying. produced audio programming. All right, so I, there's a, I, there's 180 I, episodes. Big I, lightly lightly produced audio programming. I love you both. Okay. All Thanks. I'm saying is that at 50 episodes, we're almost a third of the way there. Yeah, we're doing it. Yeah, we are. Anyhow, I I honestly believe that if the frequency of podcasts correlated to our enjoyment of doing the show together, I we'd be done by now. I'm trying to figure out what that means. It means we like doing the show. Yeah. True. 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 Um, so, but I mean, you know what? Like, like I like going to Disneyland and I've only done that twice. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that says about the show. I don't know either. So we've done that 47 times now. Well, 46, 46, really 46 in a bit. 
now that we're in the middle of 47. I think what it says is that this show is the happiest place on earth. I think that's true. I mean, that's what our iTunes reviews say. <laughs> you know what? I you know them. The, the castle in our show, it looks really big, but it's just a uh, forced perspective to make it look big. It's not really true. that big. We're true. actually I mean, we're, we're actually standing about a about 20 kilometers back from that yeah. castle. And I mean, to be honest, my bedroom in that castle it's a little cramped. <laughs> I've been meaning to say something about it. Did you guys know in Army of Darkness, you know how in Army of Darkness, Ash runs out to hide in that windmill? Mm-hmm. That windmill, that was a forced perspective scene. It was uh, just, it's not a, not a real, not a real thing. I did know huh. that. Did you know that when he's got two heads, that's just real projection and it's just him being projected behind his head? I didn't know that. I did know they used rear projection in that movie, though, because there's the yeah. scene where the car like crashes yeah. in front of the woman. That was rear yeah. projection. I knew that. Yeah. Also, I can't tell you how many times I've had to tell a girl who is complaining about what she views as two sides of me, and I have to say, ah, listen, baby, that's just what we call pillow talk. <laughs> uh, it's a great movie. <laughs> Uh, Christopher Young, we missed you last week or uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. And, you know, here's what happened is that, you know, I wasn't available mm-hmm. and you guys did Bubble Boy mm-hmm. by yourselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I realized that it was me that was unavailable and yet I blame you two for doing that episode without me. I I did talk to you on the phone afterwards, and you, yeah. were, you were bitter. Yeah, I'm still bitter. I don't know when I'm getting over this. Well, you, you have only, you know, about 150 episodes. Not going to do it. I'm no, going to need 150. I'm going but... to need 160. All right, well, we'll... Uh... Well, you know what, Chris? After we finish all of the episodes, we'll start again. Oh, my God. Oh, no. On the on the way back, you're going to love it. Because we're actually going to go in reverse order the second time around. So we're going to we're gonna do back-to-back episodes for the finale. We'll actually go in alphabetical order of the title. So Bubble Boy will come much quicker. <laughs> but that's on the third go-around, right? Mm-hmm. Well, good. Because we'll be able to record me live blowing my brains out. <laughs> So, Chris, what's new? What's what's going on in the world of Chris Young? If, if someone walked up to you today and they saw you on the street and said, what's happening? What would the, what would it be? I'd punch them in the face. Okay. No, maybe not. Uh, what's happening? Um, let's see. I'm still in school. That's mm-hmm. a bitch. Um, I still go to work. Yeah. There's a lot happening there. It's getting cold out. I'm starting to wear like three layers everywhere I go. Today I wore four layers of stuff. Um, I don't know why I'm complaining because Patrick is in Montreal now. And by all accounts, that's worse, which is crazy balls to me. Um, Let's see what else. Oh, I'm very, very, very close to hitting 500 records. I'm excited about that. Yeah, really excited about that. I found the first cut copy record. Uh, they re-released that oh, recently. Good band. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, I've always, and that's been out of print forever, so I was extremely excited about that. Having listened to the new one, new one's getting not very good reviews. I'm a what little bit their, afraid. What was their first album? Was it the f- the first album? Is another one called Neon Something Lights, which also just got re released for Record Store Day, and it's okay. But the first one that everybody else knows, the Zonoscope. Is- no, that's that's the that's the last one. The first one everyone knows is uh, In Ghost Colors, hmm. and that's really good. And Zodiscope's really good too. And I got both of those. Um, but their new ones like called Feel the Love or something, and it's getting bad reviews. Well, I have one thing to respond to that, Chris. Do it. Today, the high in Victoria was ten degrees. I hate you. We're not ten degrees anymore. Celsius. That's uh, right, Celsius. Uh, 10 degrees uh, Fahrenheit is like minus 20 or something well, Celsius. I wouldn't use such a, a crazy temperature measurement system as Fahrenheit. Okay. Good, I'm glad. And so Chris Young, let's see, the current temperature in Toronto, minus 5. Yeah, that's right. Minus 5. In uh, Montreal, Patrick, minus 8. It's minus 10 in the part of town I'm in. Sorry, I couldn't hear you over the uh, roar of the heat outside my windows. <laughs> Minus 10 for uh, people who are into Fahrenheit is 14 degrees. Uh, but with the wind, it feels like 3 degrees Fahrenheit, which is minus 16. Oh, well then. So, uh, Patrick, how how are you today? <laughs> Good, I bought a parka. I'll bet you did. Uh, yeah, I went to a like a sample sale. Uh, had to wait out, line, out in like line, and like it was in a warehouse. It's kind of weird, uh, but uh, I got a nice parka at a good deal, like half off. It's very warm, filled with down, uh, like fur lined around the, the thing. I think I'm prepared for winter now. Um, yeah, so it's been pretty cold. Uh, tough for my dog. He has to wear like literally balloons on his feet uh, because Aww, of all the salt. Because uh, I guess like... Uh, most dogs, especially like dogs that haven't lived in cold climates, they have to like it takes them a while to get used to the cold on their feet. So they gotta gotta wear some kind of thing on their feet. Plus, Devo doesn't have like, a lot of fur up. for insulation. He doesn't have a lot of. Well, he's got a coat. He's got a like it's it's. Devo's like, got like a blazer on. Well, he's got he's got a new coat that uh, it's like a thicker it's like a real winter coat it's Evo's always a... concerned that there might be a formal event at any moment chris so. yeah it's got like a it's, it's got like a hood. Kind of dog it's got a hood and everything really yeah it's got a hood he grows that <laughs> i don't think so i don't think so so yeah it's been been cold I'm trying trying how are you doing cameron in the balmy uh vancouver island well you know uh i had to go to shorts today just uh uh things things are well uh you know if i first of all i'd like to offer a happy and what will inevitably be belated thanksgiving Mm -hmm. Uh, happy thanksgiving wishes to our uh, neighbors to the south i hope you enjoy your late thanksgiving and manic uh sense of commercialism (laughs) and capitalistic uh, tendencies on friday yeah and uh aside Hopefully you got that tv yeah uh well and, and speaking of which that's that's my thing i got uh i got a playstation 4 uh since the recording of the last episode did you yes i did oh i 
can't wait. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna just gonna come over to your house because I'm coming over. You know, we can talk about this later. But I'm gonna watch you play so many video games. Yeah, sure. Let's play all the video games. You don't have a Wii U, do you? No, no Wii U. I, I, you know what? I, I, the Wii U is kind of a thing that I wish that somebody else would like give me one, but I, I I can't make myself buy it. I just, I just want to play that Mario game. It looks good. It It looks looks so good. Looks really good. My friend's gonna buy one for his sister, and I'm just gonna go over there and, you know, just play it, or, you know, watch them play it. What, whatever is fine. And you know what, Chris? Now, you know we. We haven't spoken very much recently, uh, but it's got built-in streaming, so I could just send you a message and let you know when I'm playing the game online, and I can just stream the game to you, and you can just watch on the computer. Shut and... the front door. No, you can, and you can like you can type, and I can see what you type, and I can talk. It streams the uh, audio from my microphone through. This is with the damn PlayStation, or the, the Nintendo. No, with the PlayStation, with the PlayStation 4. Okay, that's still pretty good. Yeah, sorry, I can't do that for Mario for you. That's the one I want. Well, I don't, I don't have that. Well, get it. Well, no. What kind of a friend are you? I don't know, a bad one, I guess. You know what? You don't even have the multiple Camerons or the Cat Cameron. No, that's <laughs> that's true. I don't. Seriously, so that Cat Mario yeah, looks I've like seen... the best thing ever. You know what? Actually, I thought it it looked horrible, and now I've come around oh. on it. It looks oh, great. It's great. It's like it's like. It's like, you know, Shigeru Miyamoto was sitting around. It's like, what can we do with Mario to appeal to the internet generation? Uh, uh, we, could, we could make car, uh, Mario have a, have a cat, cat costume. You're hired. <laughs> Did you just interview yourself? I just hired myself. <laughs> um but yeah, so I'm 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 loving this PlayStation Four. It's it's great. That controller is nice, isn't it? It's a nice controller. It's got that weird light on it. I don't know if you've seen this, Patrick, but I, I dig. It's got this uh, light on the back of it, and it's not like a little light. Like it's a big light panel, and it's it changes colors, and it's 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 very odd. Uh, so far, it hasn't proven to be extremely useful, but it it's quite striking. You showed it to me when uh, we talked on Skype the other day. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did. I did, too. Um, yeah, okay. Well, uh, shall we uh, jump into... This what games you got for the PS4? Oh, uh, as I was about to say, shall we jump into the titles that I own for the PlayStation 4? Yes, we shall. <laughs> uh, so, at the moment, I have uh, Battlefield 4, Assassin's Creed 4, Killzone, I got the and then Killzone. I have... Uh, Resogun and Chris, that's uh, the new game from. Do you remember ADD uh, the game? Yes, I totally do. The Star Superstar, something. Super Stardust, Super Stardust. Yeah, I so can't that's handle their, that. That's their new game, and I have that game. Uh, you and Justin loved that other game. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I can't handle that one. Uh, I have a game called Contrast as well. Okay. And then uh, they released Flower for the PS4, so I have that as well. Mm, don't care. Uh, and I have sound shapes for the people. Now, what's going to happen between... What's going to get released between now and January? Between now and January? Not a heck of a lot. The new Infamous game, I think, comes out end of January. <sighs> That's not good for me. Sacre bleu. Sacre bleu. <laughs> <laughs> but John okay. Grady can come. <laughs> Tell me John Grady's not up for a good morning drunk. Okay, we got to talk about something else. <laughs> Do we? This is, this is only interesting to John Grady. 
I don't think that's true. Is this what people turn in for? This is so, the, this is the show. This is the show. So we have a piece of follow up this week. Uh, we had a listener or viewer, as Chris likes to call them, yeah. uh, submit a question to the show. And oh, okay. uh, what's the question? I, I forgot to take note of the person's name. So here, let's just quickly pull it up. Uh, the uh, person's name is uh, Jarrett L. Green. Okay. Sounds made up. No, Jarrett L. Green is real. And according to his uh, Vitae, he's <sighs> from a town in Tennessee whose name I, I can't pronounce. Missoula? It's M-U-R-F-R-E-E-S-B-O-R-O. Hey, don't swear at us. That's unpronounceable. Murph. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and guess. It is Murfrisboro. <laughs> I'm still of the opinion this person's made up. I mean, I'm not so, doing, I'm not helping here, but I swear yeah. to God, he's real. And he asked us a question where uh, apparently he didn't take note of which episode, but we claimed that there were no hipsters at the time of Seinfeld, apparently. And yet oh. he feels that we were contradicted when... I believe it is Elaine calls Kramer a hipster. Hipster doofus. Good call, fake viewer. And so, um, to be honest, I can't actually find his original question, uh, but I made a note of it. I kind of paraphrased it here. And I believe the question was, uh, he wanted us to discuss what a Seinfeld-era hipster would look like. Okay, well, here's the answer to this, is that Elaine had access to a DeLorean Mm, okay. And she was able to come forward in time to the year 2011. Okay. And she got a sense of what, you know, she she she, she hung out in some in some coffee in some coffee shops specifically in like, you know, in uh Portland. And uh then she went back and then she having dealt with Kramer at that point, you know, she knew what to do. She knew what to call him. That's the story. Patrick? Now you know. Well, I mean, I think the... Well, I don't know. So maybe... Um, what's her face? Uh, who was in that movie? Well, you know that movie Slackers? Angela Jolie? Sure, maybe slackers. Uh, maybe, oh, you're thinking of well, that was hackers. hackers. That was hackers. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe some of the people in that movie slackers. Yeah. I think Jason Siegel's in that movie actually. Oh wait, no, that's the 2002 one. There's a. I think Matthew like, McConaughey's in that movie. Yeah, uh, but like, oh, it's called Slacker. Um. So oh, you guys wait, ever I'm see that? It was directed of, by I'm Richard of Dazed Linklater. And confused. I just don't know what movie you're talking about. Uh, it was like a Richard Linklater movie. Okay, but that was also Dazed and Confused. Um, but like, look at the look at the cover of this movie. Look at this guy. Okay, All right, let's see. Patrick, did you attach a uh, a little emoji to that of a clicking blackboard, or did it do that by itself? Oh, uh, it did that by itself. The link. Oh, the link doesn't work uh, because of that. So, 1991 movie. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I could see that being like a a 90s hipster. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, following a day in the life of an ensemble of mostly under 40 bohemians and misfits in Austin, Texas, known hipster uh, like uh, Nexus, you know. So I, I think they were more or less the same, you know, wearing, you know, like deliberately irritating clothing. Yeah, but I don't think they were doing it in an ironic sense back then. I don't think irony was actually invented until 2006. Hmm. That's a good point. I know. Uh, but I mean, I feel like I feel like if Kramer is called a hipster doofus, he he must be by definition. That that's you know, my some thought. Kind of, that was he's, my cop out. Because he's he's almost wearing like ironic clothing. He's wearing like these bowling clothes and like 70s loungewear and like 50s loungewear lots of polyester you know mm-hmm. nope well uh Jarrett, i hope that answers your question i hope you hadn't waited weeks for that response uh <laughs> so that's our answers of what a hipster looks like a confusing story that might have to do with back to the future patrick's uh, rambling incoherent description of slacker and my cop out of just saying it looks like Kramer. This is so, what people tune in for. This week, is there we a show we're reviewing today? The Cheever Letters. And yeah. in The Cheever Letters, uh, George has to deal with the fallout of burning down Susan's father's cabin. Yeah. Jerry, in a heated moment, offends Elaine's secretary, assistant. Yeah. Assistant. And. John Cheever appears in the written form through a mysterious letter. Kramer uh-huh. wants to go golfing. As always, I would like to encourage you to go over and check out what's the deal show.com where you can find all of today's show notes, all the back episodes, and I personally guarantee a little picture from Chris Young from today's episode. It's going to happen. So, Patrick, why don't you take us into it? Sure. Um, so, the episode starts with the monologue. And you know who's in Jerry's targets today? It's the office worker. <laughs> Jerry doesn't seem to think anyone does anything in uh, offices. Uh, people think of it as a place to get office supplies and a Danish. Um, I think this is kind of like partially true. I've definitely worked in places where there seem to be employees who uh, do not do anything aside from drink coffee and use office supplies. I like I'm not quite sure what their job is. I guess Jerry just seems to think this is everyone. Um, Yeah. Now, let me ask you, though, have you ever taken supplies from like an office like an office that you're working at have you ever taken some pens or something home yep 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 i've like printed something that was for personal use i think that's as close as i've come see oh, yeah, i do that back when i was a young man i tell you nothing was was off limits i was printing things off for personal use uh, and on <laughs> one old job where i just kind of had these like totes of stuff at work and I just kind of like just took like, it like all. What kind of stuff? Oh, that's the thing. I thought it was like just personal things because I had brought into work uh, some like little video game consoles. It was an easygoing sort of office atmosphere. So there was a lot of playing around there. And so I thought it was just kind of like my own stuff. But let me tell you, when I got home, 
I had lifted like so many pieces, like pads of paper and pens. There was a video switcher in there. Uh, I went home with so much of that stuff, and I still today have some of those pens, and they haven't been used yet. Like they still have the little bit over the uh, over the the pen point, the ballpoint hmm. or whatever. I suppose it is a ballpoint, uh, but it still has like the little piece of plastic on it because it's unused. I still find them around. That's nice. just how many of those things I uh, I took home, and I have to admit I've never felt bad about it. I I often feel very happy because I have lots of pens available to me. But like a pack of like a hundred Vic pens, that's like five bucks. Oh, but these weren't Vic pens. <laughs> oh. These were like these speed were, balls or something. Well, Patrick, we didn't do speed balls at my place of business. I don't know what flies for you, but uh, I don't. I actually, I, I'm sure I could find with these pens around, but no, they were nicer pens. Like, you know, let's say a big pen costs like five cents. I bet these were worth like at least hold on, twenty-five hold on, hold to on. fifty cents. We have to stop talking about this. This is terribly boring. What kind of pens we're lifting? We have to keep, <laughs> we just keep going. Keep on moving on. Okay. Uh, I can't so, believe that after everything that's happened on this show in the first yes, 20 something minutes, that the yes, big pen is where Chris Young is drawing yes, the line. Can. Yes, you can. So, in. I just in, take batteries, FYI. That's my thing. <laughs> so you can throw batteries. people, right? That's right. Yeah. Why does your office have batteries? Lots of batteries. Wireless mouses and stuff. That's right. That's right. Um, you never had an office with batteries? I don't think so. You just we, go we ask had, the office manager. She's got some batteries. We had electrical power coming out of sockets, the walls at our place of business, so we didn't need batteries. Okay, then. So, in the apartment, George is worried because he's going to be meeting with Susan's parents. He's meeting them for the first time, and he also has to tell them that he burned down their cabin. Yeah. Uh, Jerry thinks this is pretty funny, and they got to write this pilot, and Jerry gets into some trouble with Elaine and her assistant. Now, let me ask you, do you think it's right that George be there when Susan breaks the news if he hasn't met them before? No. Well, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know. It's tough. It's more his fault than her fault. Oh, yeah. So I feel like he, he does have some responsibility to be there. I actually think it's more Kramer's fault than it's either of their faults. It is because he set their cabin on fire. Right, but he's got that association guilt, you know? Because it's his friend? Yeah. Hmm. And he, like, semi-invited him to come. You know? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You don't think (laughs) he needs... You don't think George should be there? I don't know. Uh, It's hard to say. I mean, I can... Obviously, Susan would want somebody there, but he's never met these people before in his life. And the first time he meets them is going to be, thanks to those cigars, my friend used them to burn down your cabin. Well, I mean, George definitely does his best to pass the buck to Susan and make her tell, tell her father what had happened. You know, he's not, he's not taking a lot of responsibility there. <laughs> um, but uh, we'll get to more of that later. Uh, and we also see them trying to write this pilot Uh they're they're having some trouble getting started. They get as far as Act One, Scene A. Now, why do you think George 
is putting this off so much. Do you think it's just because George knows that he's a terrible writer? I think George knows that he is not a writer. And he's he's got definitely nothing. not. He's got nothing. I mean, Jerry hello. doesn't have much on Hi. I mean, but Jerry at least has the experience of, like, writing and building bits, right? Yeah. And so, you so, know... But, I mean, it's, it's pretty different. Yeah, but he could build a half-decent decent pilot just by, like, building some kind of plot where he can fit in all his bits. You know? Yes, I suppose so. You know, and so, so George, he's really, he's got nothing. He maybe wrote some descriptions of apartments for uh, his real estate job. Uh, but I, I don't think that was much more than that. I mean, and uh, also there's just the procrastination of having to do some hard work. You know, writing is hard work. It's way easier to procrastinate than actually do the work. True. Um, and as part of this procrastination, Jerry calls Elaine and ends up with his assistant or her assistant. And, you know, Jerry's kind of irritated because his assistant always wants to talk his ear off. Jerry asks uh, if uh, Elaine can tell her, you know, just to pass her straight through. Elaine does this immediately after. She's upset. She quits. Now, Takashi assistant. Yeah, that's the first thing. Like, Sandra, as Jerry calls her, not Sandra, Sandra. But I mean, like, this woman is unstable if that was all it took for her to quit. And I mean, like, not to give anything away, but look how much it takes for her to get mad at Jerry later. Like, I mean, everything's on this woman, as far as I'm concerned. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm amazed that uh, Elaine has an assistant. Like, she's just, what is she doing? Is she an editor? Is that her job right now? Uh, I think so. Yes. I'm just going to say yes, that she's editing right now. seems amazing she has an assistant. It is pretty but, amazing, actually. I mean, I, I've never had an assistant. Oh, me neither. That would be sweet. She could do all my email. Hmm. I don't know what I'd do with an assistant. Do you have a lot of uh, emails? I don't know. Do like, picking times for a meeting, if you got, like, five people and they're in different time zones, you get... You end up, that means a guaranteed 25 emails. It's really irritating. If I had an assistant and they all had assistants, they'd just sort that out. So you actually want a system of like cascading assistants. I mean, I just want everyone to have an assistant so all that stuff gets done. If someone could attend those meetings for me too and do all my work, that'd be pretty good too. Would you just delegate to the lowest rung assistant? Yeah, they could just do everything. Yeah. The, the intern, I guess. Yeah. And I would uh, play mini clip eight ball pool. Cool. And eat danishes. Hey, hey, hey. Question. On Twitter, Emily said she had a cronut. Mm hmm. How was it? Did you? Not that great, actually. Not as good as a croissant, not as good as a donut. So you had one, though, too. I had one, too, yeah. Okay, so let's, see, let's hear it. You know, full review. Well, imagine a croissant like I the can't. dough. I can't. And then you take that and then you deep fry it and then you glaze it. And then you eat that. Yeah. 
You've lost and it's me. Not as, it's not as good as either a donut or a, crona, or a croissant. Okay. I don't get I don't get why people in New York are lining up for these things. Oh, it's an it's, so it's it's migrated to Montreal. It didn't originate there. Uh, I don't know where it originated. Apparently, this place has been making them for like ten years. So, oh my! Uh, and they just need a giant spike in business. Mm, there was no line. We just we just went there and bought some moderate out. spike in business. I don't think so. Just seemed like a regular little cafe pastry shop. Okay. Right. See, I feel like the Cronut is the worst of both worlds. Really, I, I'm I've I've never really been sure what it was all about. Like, I assumed it must have been good based on the lineups, but it it didn't sound very appealing to me. I mean, maybe we just ate not the best Cronuts, but uh, I mean, I would I'd have a regular donut any day. Uh. Or a croissant. Get one of those almond croissants or one of the like uh, pain au chocolat, one along with the chocolate in the middle. Those are pretty good. Yeah, it would have been great if they were called like Krangs where you were. <laughs> well, like actually, Ninja Turtles? It, yeah, exactly. This was Wait. an Italian pastry shop, so they were Cronettos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, um, so yeah, anyhow, <laughs> I, I just want to say the last thing that happened in the scene was when Elaine is explaining to Sandra about how Jerry's under a lot of pressure and she says, it's very hard being a stand-up comedian. Sometimes they don't laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that joke because you always hear, like if you ever listen to Mark Maron's podcast or anything, people are talking about how hard it is to be a stand-up comedian, but that's basically what it comes down to. Sometimes they don't laugh at your jokes. Uh, and then they spend like an hour talking about how hard it is to be a stand-up comedian and get an hour of material. Pretty good joke. Yeah, yeah it's a it's joke. a great uh, it's a great joke. I really like it. I I made a note of it as well. Sometimes they don't laugh. It's really good. Um, and then the last thing we see is Kramer has run out of Cubans. He's gonna have to plan the public courses, but he's not gonna have that. Um, so moving along. We're at dinner at uh, at Susan's house. Her dad seems like a real treat. Uh, her mom is a drunk, apparently. Her and mom's not great. I'm going to tell you right now. I could get along with this woman's dad. I don't know. I feel like I would, I would never, you know, impress him. I could do it. He's like me. The dad's uh, like me. The mom's like me, too. But, I mean... This mom especially seems like a lush. I mean, I feel like that's easy to get along with. She's just laughing at his Johnny Carson, you know? She just seems angry at life, and she's just laughing to make the dad mad. I don't feel like she's angry. I feel like she's given up. Yeah. It's uh, not a good situation either way. She reminds me of, like, a, a like Salinger character or something, you know, like, just drunk and given up. Yeah, she is sour. <laughs> What? <laughs> um, I actually think that the the dad and the mom are hilarious. Uh, how much that they like clearly don't like each other, and they actually kind of like retcon their relationship after this episode. Oh yeah. Um, she becomes less of a drunk, and he clearly likes her a lot more. Like on their anniversary and all that stuff. Yeah, it's like. Oh. Because there's this one little exchange they have where she's like, you and your sugar gosh. And she's like, and then he says, 
wear some more lipstick. I I think that line is a a real winner. Like that's a, that's a hilarious line. <laughs> uh, uh, I also really like when the dad says he never cared for Johnny Carson. Weird. He never cared for his jokes. Wild. So let me uh, ask you guys a little bit of trivia here. I don't want to hear any typing as you go across the internet. These two were together on another television show. Do you know what it is? I have no idea. Uh, Not necessarily as a couple, but they worked together on another very popular TV show. Hold on. I'm going to say... My guess is Friends. How I Met Your Mother. Huh? Huh? Uh, no, that's, that's not correct. So wait, Patrick, what was your guess? Friends. Your guess was friends. Okay, what if I told you the show was hold on? Hold on, like... hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, uh, I'm going to say All in the Family. Okay, you, you are in, incorrect. Ah, you're the worst. Okay, who is it? Oh... Twin Peaks. Really? Twin Peaks? I don't remember them on Twin Peaks. Yeah, they were... uh, So, uh, Mrs. Ross was uh, Palmer's uh, mom. Oh. And I don't actually remember what character uh, Mr. Ross plays. Oh, so they weren't weren't together? I I don't believe so. Uh, Here, I'll double check. I should have made notes of the actual roles they played on the uh, on the show there so warren frost mr ross on twin peaks played the character of he was dr will hayward Hmm. and then i'm pretty sure that mrs ross was uh mrs palmer in in twin peaks uh oh right he's he's like the coroner right there you go yeah so she plays sarah palmer right yeah, and he, like, he, oh, I can't remember. There was something about him. I haven't seen that show in a really long time. Tune in for Twin Peaks cast <laughs> next week. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's interesting. I feel like that's not a very popular show. What? Twin Peaks? I mean, compared to Seinfeld or Cheers or something. I feel like it's, it's a-, a, a cult show. I feel like Seinfeld, I feel like Twin Peaks is doing better on Netflix right now than Cheers is. No, no way. Way. All right, so, so in, the in, next... in, yeah, <laughs> in the apartment, uh, Jerry is upset that he uh, accidentally made Sandra quit. And uh, Elaine says, you know, she wants her assistant back. So Jerry agrees to call her. Jerry says he was just being sarcastic. You know, she's a real treat to talk to. And uh, they decide to go have a drink. So my feeling on the matter, number one, it doesn't seem right for Jerry to care that much this woman quit. Because I think that Jerry would just be of the mind that, like, this person was clearly unstable in the first place. Yeah, good riddance. And the second thing is that this lady continues to prove her instability because now she's asking Jerry out. She was so offended by Jerry that she quit her job less than a day ago like within the last 12 hours oh well my my assumption was that she was so upset because she had a crush on him and that was why no, she I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't get that 
But why would she always be talking his ear off then? I assumed she's that. Kathy. Yeah, she just she just likes to talk. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like she had a crush on Jerry. That's why she's so upset. And then you know, like when he apologizes and she learns that he doesn't hate her, she's like, I'm not gonna let this wait any longer. I'm gonna ask him out on a date. I mean, that makes more sense to me than just she's insane. I don't know. I feel like you're you're you sound kind of like uh, Tina on Bob's Burgers right now. <laughs> Obsessed me. with butts. He called me, Tina. Don't wait any longer to make your move. <laughs> Ask him now. <laughs> well, so yeah. Uh, well, they decided to have a drink. Uh, back at Susan's. Um. <laughs> Susan's father, you know, is asking how the cabin is and tells about uh, his the story about his father. And he says to cherish the cabin, mm-hmm. not take care of your sister. She's mm-hmm. a paraplegic. But unfortunately, the cabin burned. The wife thinks it's hilarious. And uh, Susan's father just kind of walks out mumbling from the apartment or from the uh, dining room. <laughs> they deal with this so poorly they deal with it so so poorly i mean over dinner over like supposedly a nice dinner is already the worst way to go about this and Mm -hmm. the way that susan and george keep passing the buck back on each other and i love how when george kind of like you know passes it over to susan susan continues to try and tell the story she tries to go along and she tries to give it back to george all george can muster is burned (laughs) that's all george has left burned and then he just like is rapidly shoving food in his mouth so that he doesn't have to talk drinking some wine yeah it's uh it's really great actually i think it's hilarious um i I also how the wife thinks this is hilarious how the gavin burned uh yeah i was gonna say i also love the wife's reaction to it i also like how just a moment before they uh break the news that she turns to him it's like henry look i got wine on me (laughs) like (laughs) She's such a lush in this episode. Uh, it's weird because I actually, like, I think of her character as a lush all the time, and yet it doesn't really seem to be, like, borne out across the rest of the episodes that that's really what she's like. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe when she actually meets George's parents later, I think she drinks a little bit more, but that's that's another hilarious dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, so meanwhile, we cut to Jerry's apartment... It's, uh, I guess their date is going well up until this point when, uh, uh, what, what's her name? Sandra. Sandra. Sandra storms out of the, uh, the bedroom saying that whatever Jerry said was very weird and Jerry is clearly embarrassed. Yeah. Uh, I think it's funny how Jerry keeps buttoning up his shirt. Like he's also leaving. Now, what's interesting to me is that, like so many things, Seinfeld is where, you know, I started to understand, you know, about women. Like a lot of a lot of what my understanding of the opposite sex comes from watching this show. I mean, that explains a lot. I know. Um, and uh, so when she reacts negatively to the word panties 
It's not the word, but panties. that's not that's not what she's reacting to negatively. Uh, she maybe, started the maybe so, talk. but it's it's a it's a thing, and that I don't quite understand. Lots of girls don't like that word. Really, yes. don't like that word. Mm-hmm. But that's not what she's reacting to. If anything, I know, it's, here, it's it's the, it's the context with the mom and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about this in the next scene. So the, uh, in the next scene, it's it's after this date. You know, Sandra left. Jerry's a coffee with George. Well, we're getting to it. Uh, yeah. We're going to yeah. contextualize it. So uh-huh. Jerry's Jerry's <laughs> yeah. telling George about how <laughs> on this date, things were getting passionate. They go back to his apartment. She starts with the dirty talking. And uh, there's a great scene where when Jerry, you know, tells George an example of what she said, uh, George squirts the ketchup across the room, which is a nice sight gag. Yeah, it's yep. uh, it's a good one. It's almost like it's like I feel a like we've take. talked about this before. We might have, yeah. Don't uh, they kind of do a scene similar to this in an earlier episode? And I think I mentioned that this it was very similar to this scene. It could be. Um I I think I remember that too. Uh and so then Jerry's clearly embarrassed and says she was talking about her panties, and Jerry said, You mean the panties your mother laid out for you? I mean, I I feel weird having you even say that. I mean, it's a weird thing to say. That's uh, weird, yeah. So you think she's out of line being weirded out by this? Um, like it sounds like it sounds like Jerry has a thing for her mother, kind of. I mean, I'm no not one gonna wants, lie, it's not a good dirty talk response. No one wants to hear about their. No mother one wants to hear about your mom in that context. Yeah. No. no Maybe. I'm not, uh, because I, I feel like Jerry, you know, he's not a dumb man. So I feel like we never actually hear what she said. So I feel like Jerry must feel like he's responding to something. Maybe something that she's saying and he thinks that it's going in the right direction and either he went a step too far or something. I I don't actually but, know what it is that she I mean, could have. George, George knows the context, right? Because uh, Jerry like whispered it to him. True. And he doesn't understand. Jerry doesn't understand either. He doesn't have a justification. I think Jerry is just so out of his element with this that he doesn't know what he's doing. He's trying to keep up. He just it's sometimes it's hard to respond to the dirty talk, and you you don't know what to say. Well, I mean, especially if you're like Jerry and you don't have practice. I mean, I think this is a funny kind of thing where something in the bedroom can seem totally appropriate at the time. But the idea of talking about it the next day or, you know, anytime, very embarrassing. So are you just saying that you disacknowledge all the times that you've had sex and you just pretend the next day it didn't happen? Is that what you're saying? No. What are you I mean, doing here? I mean, huh? I, mean ta- I mean, talking about, like, specifics, you know? That was weird that I blacked out for... Uh... <laughs> You know, 25, 30 minutes last night. What happened yeah. between 11 and 11.05 last night? <laughs> surprised, I'm surprised you're in my bed with those panties your mother gave you. I mean, please leave. So, I mean, Jerry is rightfully... It's not weird at all. So why do you... So why do you think that Jerry... He should have just avoided it. He should have just avoided the whole dirty talk. If he doesn't know what he's doing, he should have just let her do her thing and do his best with what he knows how to do. You know what? It's like... He could have said like an oh yeah or something, you know? That's all I know. Well, maybe not quite as enthusiastically as you Some kind of affirmation. Well, you just don't want to sound like the Kool-Aid man, Patrick. Oh yeah. (laughs) 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, do you think? Do you think Jerry's really? Uh, why do you think? Do you think he's worried about Elaine knowing about this just because of like the residual, the residual feelings? Because it's weird. Is it just because it's weird? He's telling George because yeah. George is his closest friend, but Elaine. It's a little more distance, more likely to make fun of Cherry. It's weird sex talk. Yeah, no one wants to hear about that. Uh-uh. And this is especially weird. Pretty weird. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to... Uh, I don't think you want... You don't want her knowing that. <sighs> I mean, I think even like sex talk that is on the level, it's it's kind of embarrassing in the light of day, you know? You don't want anyone knowing about that. No. You know? Patrick's dirty little secret in the dark. <laughs> so, uh, the next scene, they're in the apartment. They're going to try to write. I've got some lines this time. George comes into the apartment. Mm-hmm. He says, hi. Jerry responds with, hello. I mean, those are solid, solid lines. Really kind of sets the stage, right? Sure. I mean, yeah. they're painting a scene vividly. I feel like I'm in it. Mm-hmm. I feel this like they're that... not writers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! You know they uh, got the they've got some good mise en scène here. You know, it's just it's honestly it's hilarious how desperate they are not to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kramer comes in, who normally Jerry's vaguely annoyed by, but uh, they're they're cheering for him. They take a break to talk to him, but Kramer doesn't have time for this. He has to go to the Cuban embassy. It's a hell of a problem. Sorry, guys, uh, gotta go to the Cuban embassy. <laughs> yeah, so Kramer goes to the Cuban embassy, and it's. It's quite a scene. Uh, he goes in, he talks to the secretary about this urgent matter. It, it seems like he's going to talk about, I mean, it seems like the secretary thinks he's got intelligence or something. Uh, and then, you know, all these guys come into the room. And it's just, it's just these cigars. Yeah. Now, so Kramer, uh, we haven't really gone over this. Kramer needs the cigars because he needs to play golf. And he can't mm-hmm. play golf without these cigars. And so when he goes here, the first thing I thought of immediately was like, would Cuba even have an embassy in the United States? That's a good point. Now, I, I, looked, I looked into this. What do you think the answer is? No. Patrick, what do you think? Uh, my guess is no. So they have two embassies in the United States, but they're both kind of like technical embassies. So in D.C., they have an embassy located inside of the Swiss embassy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they also have in New York uh, a permanent mission to the United Nations. So there's like a uh, a Cuban diplomat there. Oh, so so it is realistic that uh, um, he could go to the the Cuban office. 
Yeah, I guess if they let some like strange man that looks like Kramer into the United Nations building. I feel like they don't have a lot going on at the uh, Cuban wing of the UN building. Well, they have a a lady wearing glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of spooky. It was weird. I'm positive that that is actually. Uh, I haven't. I don't really watch this show, but on Will and Grace, I think she's like a character. I think she's someone's like butler or maid. I know that's an odd thing to pick up on, but uh, I'm fairly certain Wait. the lady with the big glasses is her. Really? Yeah. Did you watch that show? No. Oh. Did you? No. All right, then. This is our best episode ever. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, these guys come in. They kind of taunt Kramer with with the cigars. You know, like, these are illegal in your country. But it turns out that this guy has similar taste in clothing to Kramer. Turns he out. Likes Kramer's, he likes Kramer's jacket. I love how, like, they're not just taunting him. I love how he, like, pulls out the cigar and takes, like, a huge, like, sniff at his mm-hmm. cigar. Yeah. They want him to want it. Um, so, uh, next we have Jerry and George. Uh, they decide they're going to go to the movies to avoid working. And they're going to stop at the Ross's apartment to drop off Susan's sunglasses. Uh... Susan's family is in a fine state when they arrive. Uh, the Susan's aunt is there in her wheelchair. Uh, the one who apparently looks like George. Uh, cousin Ricky is there, or brother Ricky, home from college. He uh, definitely takes after his father. Seems like a dork. And uh, some letters arrive from the cabin. Now, let me tell you this. This family is so weird, and I can see why they immediately wrote them out of the story, and they never come back. Uh, Like, the brother and the aunt are just so weird and unlikable. They look... It looked like they were kind of, like, interested in introducing some more characters onto the show. And they come off like characters from a second-rate sitcom. Mm -hmm. And, like, I mean a far (laughs) second-rate. As in third or fourth rate. I guess so. I don't know. It, they're bad. Like, did you guys like those characters? I mean, I kind of liked them. I liked the interaction with the mom telling the the aunt to clean her wheels. I didn't like the aunt. I didn't like the wheelchair lady. Brother, I could do without. Huh. I liked oh, it. You know what? Now, we've kind of jumped ahead. We've done a couple scenes out of order, so I'm going to quickly talk about a thing. So, number one, in the embassy, when they're in the embassy... One of those three guys, the man on the left-hand side of the screen, you just see him for a second, his head pops over, he looks like the Cuban Kramer. He's got the same (laughs) hair, he's got the same sort of like long face, it's him. The other thing is that in the scene in Jerry's place where uh, Elaine comes in and says, hey, thanks a lot for getting this woman back, and Jerry is like, you gotta fire her, just fire her, don't even worry about it, you gotta get her out of there. Elaine's clothes looks like she's like a cowboy wearing a doily. Mm. And I'm trying to bring back the Seinfeld fashion comments. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know if you guys have it queued up right now to that scene or if you can get to it. But cowboy with a doily. It is really weird. And as is the Cuban Kramer. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. All right. You got to find that mute button, Chris. <laughs> no, I don't. I know where it is. Uh, anyhow, so uh, back at Susan's parents' place. Um, yeah, so the, the letters come in. They they open up the box. They take a look inside. And miraculously, the only thing that survived the fire was in this flimsy tin box, some paper letters, which are quite charred. And uh, Patrick, what was what was on those letters? Uh, well, Susan reads a letter. Uh, it's a very nice letter uh, about a nice <laughs> weekend spent with uh, Susan's father. It's from John Cheever, the oh, the author, the author. You know, famous for his short stories, and I think he also wrote a couple novels. And he says that. Uh, he thinks he is spoiled from the orgasm he uh, had with uh, Susan's father. Must have been quite an orgasm. He claims he's afraid huh? it may have left him a cripple. Yeah. yeah. Hell of an orgasm, that orgasm. Susan's family, understandably upset about this revelation, or if not upset, shocked. Maybe upset, too. I mean, uh, the aunt I mean, doesn't seem upset at all. She smiles and says, she says she knew I it. knew it. <laughs> Uh, uh, his wife seems startled. Susan seems very startled. She can't speak. And, uh, Susan's father busts in, grabs the letters. He defends himself. He says, you love John Cheever deeply in a way you could never understand (laughs) while looking at his wife. Yep. Um, I mean, from this one episode, it doesn't seem clear why their marriage uh, continues at this point. Because it's not even just that, like, she's upset about the secret life. He claims that he loved her in a way that she'll never be able to understand. This is his wife, the person, you know, he's in a committed relationship with. Why do they stay you know, together? I, I just don't understand. I don't understand why it's John Cheever specifically. I don't know, but I actually think that's kind of like, it's kind of genius because it's kind of like, He's a known, he's a name that people would know, but, you know, it's not, it's not so famous, I guess. It's not like he had an affair with Wesley Snipes or something, which is Wesley apparently... Wesley Snipes gets around. Apparently is my definition of an extremely famous person is Wesley Snipes. I'll tell you one thing, John Cheever pays his taxes. Well, we just lost one listener. Wesley Snipes? That's right. Good riddance. Um, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, uh, it's it's quite a revelation, um, and and that's kind of it for for this this scene. Like, it's just left with this confusing state in Susan's family. Um, that's kind of it. Uh, I like how Jerry and George just like slink out of there. Uh, they've like come in like a hurricane. They've they've like shattered this family, and George just like we have to go. Time time is what he's indicating there. It's time to go, and they just they just walk out on this mess that they've created. <laughs> yep. Um. So so yeah. Um. Back in the apartment, Elaine pops in. She is upset. Not because of uh, the reason Jerry's expecting, because Sandra, or like 
Sandra got transferred up to Littman, her boss, and Sandra told Mr. Littman that Elaine made $475 worth of long-distance calls to Europe to the friend she made while she was in Europe. Now, this uh, friend, do you think it's just uh, it's platonic there? Or do you think it's more than a friend? I mean, she was there on, on like a, like a relationship date. Or like she was on a trip with her like boyfriend at the time, right? Yeah, but we could all tell that wasn't going to last. True. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I don't know. And so, you know, Jerry is happy because it seems like Sandra didn't say anything about this whole mother situation. So Jerry, mother. you know, Jerry's happy to pay for these calls. I I don't quite understand why Jerry does this. It may be just so to get Elaine to stop thinking about Sandra. That's why he's paying for the calls. Now, this is, let me ask you guys something. Let's say that, now, we all know this is not possible, but let's say you guys did something embarrassing that had to do with the, the bedroom realm, shall we say. Not possible. Uh, is, is there any world that you think that something like along the lines of what Jerry did is worth $429 to bury that secret forever. Oh, for me? You like, let's oh, yeah. say you did, let's say you did what Jerry did specifically that exact same thing. What Jerry you, did? No, no. You, you're, no. you're thinking about no. that episode of Seinfeld and you accidentally say that line. Would no. you pay 429? <laughs> okay. Well, we know what Chris's answer, but Patrick, would no. you pay $429? To unless there was this? another, unless there was another more attractive girl that also worked with Elaine that I, you know, and, you know, trying to angle some angles in the future. Well, let's I say feel that- like, I feel like, you know, Sandra was a bit of a, was a bit of a, you know, a fluke, but I mean, there may be other fish in the Pittman sea. You don't want that. You don't want that polluting the water, so to speak. That, How far can that I take that famous old expression? Yeah. Patrick, how about you? I feel like I'm just going to tough this one out. You, you would, know, you, you would just let it happen and save the $400. Yeah. I, I feel like it's gonna, it's gonna out eventually, you know, mm-hmm. there's not much, not much that can, I can do about it. I, uh, I think I'm with you. I don't, I don't think that this is worth $429. To, to, mm-hmm. to just be clear. That's also what I said. Well, you actually said that there were provisos if there was another very attractive woman that worked there that you would like to date. This is true. I forgot already. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, and so the episode uh, closes off with maybe Elaine's biggest laugh from the audience in the entire like run of the series where she reveals that she did in fact know uh, what Jerry said and claims that she'll leave now because... She might stop by her mother's house because uh, she's got the panties that her mother laid out for her, waiting for her. This is a good sneaky Elaine moment. It's one of the first ones. Yeah, and it's 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 a really funny joke. It's a real good burn. She she gets the best of these guys like pretty easily. I guess the best yeah. of Jerry. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like it is, it is just it's such a funny line. It is such a good line. I, I really like it. <laughs> um, 
And it's like, it's one of the first, like, really sort of like huge audience belly laughs that I believe is being true in Seinfeld, where there wasn't just like a lot of plants in the uh, audience to like get the laughter going. Like this, this one, I buy this one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This is a this is a great picture you did this uh, this time, Chris. You outdid yourself. <laughs> Got all sorts of references in there. You did. Um, so, uh, Patrick, why don't you take us into the uh, outro here? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> what was going on there? Uh, I accidentally pressed the mute button. Uh-uh. Um, so Jerry's talking about talking during sex, how it's all kind of ridiculous. You know, what are we doing? Are we just having sex to talk? And next, modern technology, we're going to have phone machine sex and sex waiting. I feel like these jokes are super dated. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. I mean, wasn't the, wasn't the monologue just about Snapchat? That's what I heard. <laughs> See, it's funny because, like, Snapchat was where my brain went to on this topic <laughs> when he was, like, the laziest point of sex. I think a 10-second or less snippet of, like, your body sent to somebody else is, yeah, definitely we've reached a much lazier point of sex. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, like... It's so you're like, saying you're saying phone machine sex? That's that's like that's a bit of effort. Turns out it's actually not a brave new world. It's an extremely horny, lazy new world. Topical. I know. <laughs> Surveillance, um, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So this this final monologue. This is a little <laughs> weak. Uh, Overall, though, what do you guys what do you guys think, Kramer? I mean, Cameron, how do you feel about this? It's a good episode. It's a really good episode. Um, I know I've probably said this exact line before, uh, but you know, it, it's inevitable as we continue along with the show that each episode as we go forward is always going to kind of feel like a step forward until we're in like always That's classic time. episodes. Get it. But this this episode really, really, really felt like proper Seinfeld. The whole way through, uh, like from start to finish, there was nothing about this episode that didn't that felt kind of like a little too wrong or something like that. It all seemed pretty consistent. The characters were some spot highly on. cynical stuff about sex, uh, some incredibly uh, awkward family stuff, some really really weird revelations about Susan's dad, and then Elaine got a totally totally awesome burn. It's great. How about you, Patrick? I liked it. You know, I was surprised. I think I preferred this episode to the Bubble Boy. I think it's a, a stronger episode. More like more jokes. You know, it's pretty yeah, funny. Actually, I'm I'm inclined to agree. I can't really comment because I didn't get to watch that one. Thanks, guys. I mean, the episode is still available for you. Thanks, to watch. guys. One of the most wi- widely distributed Thanks, TV shows of all time, guys. I mean, I bet it's on TV right now. Oh, you guys are the worst. I think it's going to go into syndication soon. <laughs> Last episode. <laughs> um, they call yeah. it. All right. All right. 
Well, um, I would now like to direct your attention to whatsthedealshow.com once more so you can check out other business. Other business being that time on the show where we delve into the weird, the wild, the strange. This week on Other Business, uh, we're going uh, topical. We're going uh, with this uh, the holiday that is upon us right now, if you live in uh, America. It is Thanksgiving, but there is an amazing thing. You see, in 1888, the year of our Lord was the last time that Thanksgiving and Hanukkah overlapped. And so Thanksgivinga is uh, upon us once more. And so I would like us to uh, talk a little bit about the possibilities of uh, holiday mashups. And then maybe a little uh, Patrick Armstrong's family special. Uh, let's, let's hear what you're all thankful for this year. So uh, let's take it to, well, let's take it to Patrick first. Patrick, what do you think about Thanksgivinga? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, does that mean that people are like trying to combine the, I mean, clearly this thread, it's showing people with like, uh, a turkey with a menorah. That's right. Uh, which is a little weird. And like a turkey holla. Uh, uh I, they're, they're going with the phrase gobble top. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it's fine. I feel like if it were me, I would rather like still have both holidays. Like I would be like, it's Thanksgiving until like six o'clock until after we've had dinner and then we celebrate Hanukkah, you know, and then the next day you go on to the second or whatever day of Hanukkah. Well, I'm telling you right now, Thanksgiving. Okay. So it's been, what is it? 125 years since the last occurrence of thanksgiving the next one won't be into the year 79 8 11 well uh, i i heard about that but apparently like um uh like jewish holidays have to occur in a certain season so at some point um like some jewish council will just like i mean i, I don't really know anything about the like structure of <laughs> of uh like the like jewish religion but uh some council will just decide okay we're resetting hanukkah now it occurs like on this the next one occurs on this date and then we like move it each year so I mean, uh, I, like did that's, you see that's what richard but sorry go ahead go ahead well so like that's why like the previous one it was like 111 years ago it just means the next one will be about 111 years from now so did you see what richard lewis uh, tweeted about thanksgiving yeah no. he uh claimed that uh, he's he screwed up and he might be a tad dyslexic he said last night i stuffed the menorah and set the turkey on fire <laughs> it's pretty funny good. guy richard lewis i funny love that richard guy. lewis speaking of uh answering machine messages yeah um so my question to you then is, and Chris Young, mm. if you could mash up any two holidays and put them together, mm-hmm. what are you putting together? Mm. I am going to think I am going to mash up 
uh, I'm going to say Canada Day Mm -hmm. with my birthday because Canada Day isn't really a holiday that really actually means anything to anybody besides a day off. I mean, let's see. I love living in Canada. Canada is awesome. It's great. Wouldn't want to live anywhere else uh, except maybe warmer Canada. Um, but, mm. you know, other than that, I love living in Canada. But, I mean, the holiday itself, there's no tradition around it. There's no Canada Day, uh, you know, festivities. It's just it's a day off. All right. So, I mean, are you are you kidding right now? Patrick, do you agree with the sentiment that what there's no that Canada people, Day that there's no there's no <laughs> there's there's nothing going on there's no traditions? I mean, there's no festivities. Tend, people tend to have a barbecue. Most cities yeah, have like, I mean, like a big yeah, what's that? a big party. There's like know? there's like fireworks and there's like big celebrations, music shows. It's like Canadian like Fourth of July. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I or mean, like you know, it's like any of these like big national holidays. Like people get really drunk, they have a barbecue, you know. All right, uh, what's a, what's a national holiday that no one actually does anything for besides not go to work? Uh, I don't know. Guy Fox Day. Yeah, Guy Fox Day. Perfect. Okay. What so, people do do things? They burn effigies. They get really oh drunk. Oh my god! Are they, are they um, still burning those effigies? I thought. Yeah, they were of done course. With that. No, they're they're big on the effigies. What about Victoria Day? You know, Victoria Day. In well, BC. that's not a nation. That's okay, that's but a in BC, it's, it's it's a provincial holiday. Yeah, yeah. So, so they do nothing, I guess. Victoria, yeah, Victoria Day with my birthday would be super because it would mean I got my birthday off, and I mean that's that's the end of my whole thought. Really, I feel like you're really trying to hack this question. You're you're just trying to hack get a day off question. on your birthday. Hack I mean, you get Patrick. you get days off. You can just book a day off on your birthday. That's a lot. Well, and I mean, every every seven years, no, 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 but I want everybody to have. I want everybody to have my birthday off, so that you know you can have a party, you can you can do things, and know that people are going to have the. Oh, I got work tomorrow. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. I'm just getting paid double. Good reason to go to work. (laughs) All right, Patrick. What are you you mashing up? What am I mashing up? See, this is tough. This is tough for me because I'm, I, I'm kind of like a fan of just like very select holidays. Uh, I I just kind of like the day off for a lot of them, and so a lot of them, the mashing up of the days doesn't offer me like a lot of joy. Um, I think a funny mashup holiday though would be to combine uh, Valentine's Day with St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I would like to see what would happen if that if that occurred. So everyone would just like have like a romantic dinner and be extremely drunk. Yeah, because like on Saint and pretend Patrick's... to be Irish. Yeah, because on St. Patrick's Day, it's just a gong show. Like every patio that's open, it's just people are drunk everywhere. Everyone's completely inebriated. And I kind of like I was actually kind of envisioning people like getting really, really drunk in like basically the morning and the early afternoon. And then basically trying to sober themselves up and go out and like perform, <laughs> perform well for like a romantic date. Hmm. You mean like stamina wise? No, like you know, not being drunk, like being able to hold a nice conversation and say sweet things. Sure. Uh, how about you, Patrick? What are you? What are you going with? 
Well, I was thinking, what if you combined Halloween and Christmas? And so you had the Pumpkin King who would dress up as Santa Claus. And then, you know, he would ride in a coffin with these skeleton guys. And, you know, no one would like it. It would get all messed up. But eventually the real Santa Claus, he'd save the day. Are you basically just telling us the plot of Nightmare Before Christmas? I mean, that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I think that's it, I guess. I mean, I you, you had to know someone was going to combine Halloween and Christmas, but that's just a disaster. Like, did we learn nothing from that movie? Santa fixed it in the end. Yeah, do it again. Yeah, he fixed it by making it Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So the lesson was Santa. It's interesting to combine them and then Santa will fix it anyway. <laughs> uh, Just yeah. like the the Thanksgiving turkey is eventually going to fix this whole uh, Thanksgivinga situation. I love Thanksgivinga. Well, I think I'm going to put the kibosh on this because next week we will be looking at Season 4, Episode 9, The Opera. And so, in this next episode, crazy Joe Davola claims he's going to put the kibosh on Jerry. Uh, Kramer secures tickets to go see Pagliacci, the great tragic clown, The Opera. Uh, and Elaine is going to bring her mysterious new boyfriend, Joey. Uh, Joey turns out to be a little crazy. And Jerry and Elaine live in fear of Joe Davola. Kramer and George compete to scalp tickets to the opera. Hmm. Sounds exciting, right? I, I like this. Uh, actually, uh, have either of you watched this episode recently? No. Uh, no. I really like this episode, but I watched it again recently, and it was actually kind of like an unsettling episode. <laughs> so uh, I'll, be, I'll be interested to hear what everyone has to say about this next week. Alright. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be good. Yeah. Are you going to be around next week, Chris? Should be. Maybe. I might die. You know, that's always a possibility. I suppose so. Hope not. What's What's the latest in Rob Ford over there? He's a responsible, upstanding mayor person. You know, same as always. I mean, he can't do anything but cut ribbons, but cutting ribbons was the stuff that he really liked. Yeah, you can do that really. You can do that high as hell. All right. Uh, so, uh, as always, I would like to encourage you to uh, once again check out what's the deal show.com. You'll find all of our show notes there. They're carefully curated, they've been poured over, polished to a shine by Patrick Armstrong. And, uh, Patrick, what would you like people to do involving social media? Well, uh, I'd like you to follow us on Twitter. If uh, you're into Twitter, you can. Uh, we post all the episodes there. You can ask us questions like, uh, um, uh, like some people do sometimes. Uh, and uh, you can star our tweets. You can do it all. Um, you can also. Uh, so if you want to do that, go to twitter.com slash WTD show. And you can also follow us on Facebook or friend us on Facebook. I don't know what you do on Facebook. 
go to facebook.com slash what's the deal show. And you can be like Jared L. Green and ask us questions about 90s hipsters. Now, uh, do we use YFrog to post images on Twitter? I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, Chris Young, what else can people do for us? Uh, you know, they can go to iTunes and through iTunes, there's like a, a voting system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they can vote on whether or not to make my birthday, May 18th, a national or international holiday. And so, you know, it won't actually require us desecrating the sacred practices of Victoria Day. I mean, nobody wants that, but I know everybody wants my birthday to be a day off. So if you want that to happen, go to iTunes and give us a five-star review rating. Only five stars. If you give us four stars, I'm just going to have to take... I'm going to have to take something stupid like, uh, I don't know, Family Day or uh, something else stupid like, you know, Christmas. And, you know, don't make me take Christmas from you because I will. I will do that. I like how most of our episodes that have Chris, he ends up uh, threatening... Uh, our <laughs> uh, me too so as always we'd like to thank you for tuning in I guess you don't tune a, a podcast uh, thank you for choosing to download our podcast and uh, spend your precious time on it uh, so as always a hearty thank you from Christopher Young I have been drunk for most of this podcast Patrick Armstrong Mm-hmm. And myself, Cameron Wong, thank you very much, and we will be with you again next week. Hell of a show. It was. All right, it's time for the After Dark. Yeah. So well, we can really let it fly. You know, if you aren't ready for this, I would just stop now because I have a barn burner question. Patrick now has see chris i don't even know if you know this patrick armstrong has entered the iphone 5's family oh patrick yes 